Thank you. I am just thrilled with the opportunity to come and share, be back in the pulpit again. It's been a long, long time since I've done this. And uh, with the uh, couple of times I've had the opportunity to to speak and, and uh, preach here, uh, it's been a, an exciting thing. In these uh, the second turn of uh, service here in Placerville. It was 51 years ago that I came to Placerville to be the pastor. Uh, that was just about one half of the time that the church has been around. And it was just at that half point. There were some still around that were a part of the first. Uh, they were, were uh, most of them were the, that were still able to uh, attend the church and be active. It was the family primarily of those that had actually been the charter members of the church. But it was an exciting time back then as just as well it is today. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to come and share and to think that we could celebrate 95 years uh, that the church has been in the community serving. It uh, has a, a, a history. I have some wonderful memories of some wonderful times. There were some challenging times, kind of like today, always something. But yet, uh, God is faithful, and we're grateful for that thought about uh, this uh, celebration. It uh, reminded me of a celebration in the scripture that happened a long, long time ago, long before the 95 years here. It goes back to the book of Exodus. The children of Israel had spent 430 years in Egypt. And that wasn't even their home. They were not really to be there. God had promised them a promised land. And that wasn't it. One would wonder, what in the world are they doing in, in Egypt? Well, there's a lot of speculation as to why that all happened that way. Because God seemed to have orchestrated the whole thing. But... We do know this, that only 70 people were the ones that went to Egypt in the beginning when Joseph, who was the second in command of Egypt, brought his family to the choicest land of, of uh, Egypt, which was the land of Goshen, was the Delta area, the well-watered, the most fertile part of, of Egypt, and that was where his family was located. 430 years later, they're still there. Only lots of things have changed. Instead of being celebrities, they now were slaves. And now they're serving under some very difficult circumstances but the day finally came and you know the story of the the plagues that the God brought upon the land and with the Pharaoh uh, refusing to let the people go 
hung on and God brought all those plagues upon the, the land and nearly destroyed the whole thing. But finally the day came when Israel was going to leave. And it's at that moment and at that time that God said, it's 430 days or 430 years to the day that they left. It was a beginning point of something brand new. They were on their way to a land that would be theirs. They never had a land. Even Abraham never really had land that was his, even though God had promised and said, this will be yours. He never saw that day. He only saw it in faith, as we read about in the book of Hebrews, that he could only see it afar off. He never really realized it. And even when he, the family of uh, it'd be his uh, protege went down into Egypt, there was only 70 of them. They couldn't have really controlled and, and uh, uh, filled a whole country. They just couldn't do it. But after 430 years, the 70 now were, we don't know the number exactly, but conservative number would be well over a million people. And they were on their way to leave to go to the promised land. And uh, it's uh, the scripture that I'd like to share with you talks about that because God is going to give a very specific a challenge to the people at this time. Just as we are looking at pretty basically the same challenge today. And this is what we find in Exodus 12, 14. 12, 14. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. A lasting ordinance. And then down in verse 24, there's some talk about uh, the, uh, the, the celebration, what it's all about, and the, uh, um, the Paschal lamb, the, the lamb and the, and the bread that uh, was to be taken as a part of the, the commemoration. He goes on to say, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, at least until sundown. And then uh, later they we read that uh, they'd forgotten a lot of what they said they would do. But uh, this was the challenge to remember. This was to be done 
once a year to stop and think back and commemorate. We uh, have probably haven't done that every year of thinking of our celebration of our church, not every year, but we're doing it today at 95. We did it at 75 and at 50 and some other uh, highlights as well. But the fact is, taking time to stop and say, hey, just where are we on our journey? And by the way, who are we? <laughs> what are we all about? What, what is it that we're doing? So those kind of questions that would seem to be questions that are obvious, but sometimes we have a tendency to forget that. The church. What is the church? Well, if I were to ask just the average person, what is the church? People would say, oh, ah, there's one right over there. There's a building. We would identify it and think of it as a building. And we do that all the time, and we understand that. That is a, a legitimate uh, definition of the word church, but it doesn't encompass the whole picture of what the church is. To some, they would say, what church are you affiliated with? Now, they're not talking primarily about any one building. They're talking about a denomination, or what organization, what group are you involved with? And they would be thinking of that when they were using the word church. Others would uh, think about the group. Hey, that's my church bunch down right there. These are all part of my church. It's the fellowship, that group of people that uh, we uh, meet with and become a part of. And certainly, the truth is, all of that and a whole lot more. The very word that we use for church comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, which really means the called out ones. It's those that God has spoken and people sit listened and they responded to the call of God and turned their hearts toward him. The Bible often talks about the elect. God chose those who responded to his call. So the word, uh, by the way, uh, ecclesia, uh, there's a, a book in the Bible that we uh, uh, stumble over even trying to pronounce sometimes. It's Ecclesiastes. It is, comes from this very Greek word, and it means the churchman. And this is what we're really thinking of as our church. Let me ask you, who were, who were these people who started this whole thing? Well, it's a little difficult for us to know. There have been some... Uh, uh, chronology written down about the people, and we do have some records that are available, but for the most part, we will only know them by what we know they had to be in order to become a part of what we know to be the Church of the Nazarene in Placerville, California. First of all, uh, 
They had to, and this is a requirement, to be a member of the church of the Nazarene is to love God. Love God. To know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And to choose to be that brand of Christian called Nazarene. Uh, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not forced in any way to be, uh, become a Nazarene. That, that's something that we choose to do. We, uh, we agree that a Nazarene uh, is one of those that believes in what we believe in, the doctrines of the church. We would agree to those doctrines and the polity in order to be a Nazarene. They chose to accept the uh, Nazarene code of ethics and uh, to decide that this is the group that they would want to be identified with. They chose to be to accept the, the, the Nazarene code of ethics and also to accept the mission of the church and uh, to and the purpose of what our church is really all about to walk with God and to reach the new people that we possibly can, all the new people we can uh, share the gospel with and bring along and join with us as we serve the Lord. Um, they uh, would also be uh, accepting the same challenges that uh, we have today. Uh, we're, we're in this very same thing where we want to be the Church of the Nazarene. I have joined the church because I believe in the doctrines of the church. I still do. That's why I'm a Nazarene. We don't believe we're the only church. We don't believe that we're necessarily the best. We believe that this is a place where God has called us and we're in sympathy with it and want to be a part of it. That's the church today. That's who we are. And the fact that we are to uh, walk with God and serve Him. We also recognize that as we commemorate the fact that we joined that church, and this is what we uh, committed our uh, life to, that there are some things that even as the years go by, that we're not going to ever change. There are some things that are never to change. One of these is that God Almighty is still God Almighty. We're not going to change that. Our God is Almighty God. He is not going to be watered down. He's not going to change. That's who he is. He is supreme. It's his church, and we're his people. So it's all about God, not about us. Now, we would say, well, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's reasonable. Uh, that's, that should be um, uh, pretty well accepted by everyone. But so often, our churches, we have other uh, almost gods that become part of what we are doing. And we limit the power of God often by some of the things we do. 
And that's part of the reason why we need to periodically stop and ask ourselves, who in the world are we? What are we all about? What was it like when we started this? What was our objective? What were our commitments? Are we still on the same page today? Not only is God almighty, it is God, it is he that we serve. He is the one we look to, the one that we honor. But God also, we, we recognize God loves and cares for us. There are a lot of people that claim to be Christian who really don't seem to think that God loves them anymore. Or somehow uh, God has turned his head and looking somewhere else. But God still loves all of his people. He always has and always will. He loved us so much that he sent his own son to die for us. And that was so costly. God also wants to be our traveling companion. Not only do we honor God Almighty, high and lifted up, but he is a God that we can talk to, just, just get together with. He wants to be our best friend. He wants to be your best friend. We need to recognize that his desire is to be there for us. That should never change. God has a plan for our life, and he is the center of it. <laughs> so many people think of God as being like Aladdin with his lamp. And whenever we need God, just rub the lamp and God pops up and we tell God what we want. As soon as we get what we want, put God back in the lamp and then we go on. It's not like that at all. That's not where, not a God that's that impotent. He is a powerful God that we honor and serve. And the fact that we need to remember that uh, his plan for each of us is a wonderful plan that has all kinds of exciting uh, adventures as we walk with him. Sometimes it gets rough. But uh, <laughs> I remember one time in uh, service, one time I asked the people, how, how many of you would like to see a real, honest-to-goodness healing of a terrible disease. Boy, every, all hands went up. Everybody wanted to see that. I said, okay. We need somebody willing to be sick. And uh, that's, well, we didn't get anybody to volunteer for that. You know, it, it's, it's interesting that uh, so often we forget we want to see God move in a powerful way. 
But we've got to be going through a tough time for that to have any meaning in our life. And uh, sometimes it's during those really tough times that we see the hand of God move in a miraculous way. And God wants to be there for us. We need to allow him to do that. Another thing is that God's word is never going to change. One of the most exciting things that happened in my life as I look back from a historical standpoint was when the Dead Sea Scrolls were beginning to be uh, uh, revealed and understood, they found that the very scroll, uh, a, a very, the very scroll of uh, the book of uh, Isaiah that was dated 200 years before the time of Christ had been found and when they unrolled it and they translated it out of a dialect that was Hebrew that very few people understood, but after they had translated it, they found it to be almost identical to the very book that you and I carry. That it was unbelievable how accurate it was to the book we have today. There have been those that have challenged and said that the book has been changed down through the years and that uh, it is not accurate, couldn't be accurate because there's been too many people with their hands on it. And yet, uh, scientists are discovering that just the opposite is true. And all of the scrolls and the the uh, uh, parts of scripture that they've found have authenticated uh, an unbelievable accuracy of our Bible today. God's word is not changed. It's the same today as it was uh, when it was spoken by the prophets as God inspired them to do so. God will honor him and fulfill his promises is another thing that's never going to change. Whatever God has promised, you can count on the fact he's going to honor it and he's going to be there for it. God wants his people to want to serve him because they love him and trust him and not because they think they have to. God just wants to be there and pour out his love upon us. It's amazing the number of people that are awfully sensitive about somebody controlling their life. And usually they're the very ones that will eventually say to a small handful of people who will make political decisions for them not realizing that that's the very thing they didn't want. And of course, we're facing that today, the challenges of uh, some of our uh, uh, authorities that are perhaps, as they think, uh, overstepping their power and so on and taking away our rights. But the, with God, 
He wants us to want him because he loves us and he wants us to love him. Well, the message and mission of our church to faithfully serve God and obey his commands and love people must never change. In other words, our mission as a church need never change, must not ever change. We must keep that foremost in our mind. And by the same token, with the things that cannot change and should not change, there's going to be some things that will always change. And sometimes those are the things we hang on to. (laughs) Our journey will always be a challenge. Oh, how many people think if they become a Christian that they're going to not have any more problems anymore. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. If anything, we may have more. (laughs) But if we do, we have a traveling companion that's going to be there with us and see us through it all. Sometimes we're going to be up, sometimes we're going to be down. That's a part of the journey. But so many have thought that if they give their heart to God, that God's going to just make it a smooth sailing for the rest of the journey. That's not true. There will be tough times. There will be times when we wonder if we can even carry on. But there's always strength for the next step. And there's always light in the darkest hour for the next step. The Lord always has a way for us if we will walk with him. But it's always going to be changing. It'll not always be the same. There will always be changes of people in our church. Oh, how many churches are just tickled to death to be the handful of people they are, and they'd really rather not have anybody coming in and upsetting that. They like that little neat little group. Let a few years go by. It will change. It will not stay the same. Our church will not be the same. I've been here six years at this local church. And have we ever seen some changes in our church of of people? People that some have gone on to heaven. Some have gone to leave the area. And we know that there's always going to be changes within the group of people. The dynamics of the group will change. We just need to recognize that that will always be the case and not be upset when it does change. Just ask God to guide us and help us so that we can reach out and bring more people into our church, find people who don't know the Lord, and lead them to the Christ that has changed our life so they could be a part of our group. And even though that will change the very dynamics, but we need to recognize that change will happen. That we're committed also to the fact that that the uh, uh, spiritual uh, uh, life that we live often will change. 
I wish I could tell you that uh, there was a day that I accepted Christ and he came into my life and it was a high point and it's always been that way ever since. It's been a struggle sometimes as I struggled to, to realize that my commitment back then is not going to help today. And I just uh, recognize that life is a, a flux. There will be times when we will have spiritual highs and then we might just put it down, look out, because uh, Satan has got another plan for us and there will be something that will come along and we'll wonder, wow, what happened? <laughs> and th there will be what seems to be a fluxing of, of uh, just the consistency of uh, the, the, the presence and what we would consider to be the power of God that we could see in operation in our life. But we need to realize that there will always be that. But we need something constantly. We need to remember that yesterday's blessing is not going to be good enough for today. That we have that blessing and it was a great experience. Put it down as a great memory. But we need a new blessing for today that we might be prepared to serve the Lord and be able to continue on because God has in mind for us to move on. Music. <laughs> That's been a contentious thing in our church. Music will always change. How many of you would know and think back to a day that if you said church music, that meant organ. You couldn't have a church if you didn't have an organ. Uh, at least that seemed to be the way it was. You got to, got to have an organ in your church and have the pipe organ kind of sound. That's what a church is all about. Well, anymore, it's hard to find an organ in anybody's church. It's just different. It isn't that somehow we've gotten away from what God wanted. Uh, music has always changed and will continually do so. I remember uh, in church that uh, I was pastor, a dear lady who uh, was pretty well locked into what I would consider a, a, a rut in, in her life. She had been a Salvation Army officer, and it has nothing to do with that other than the fact that that's what she was. And uh, I mention that only because she was, uh, uh, was used to the hymnal from the Salvation Army Church. Now, I started in my life in the Salvation Army, so that meant something to me. And the hymnal that they used had no music that you could see, but just the, the words. And uh, it was predominantly uh, uh, the Wesleyan kind of uh, uh, songs that were printed there. In fact, it had more of the Wesley songs than even our own Nazarene church had. And uh, it was just full of uh, 
Wesleyan and uh, some of the old type music and so on. And the tunes that we would sing to would often be the ones that uh, we would identify with, but there were some other tunes that we could use with songs that we sang regularly that uh, was very different than what we normally would have. But anyway, she was so concerned because we were beginning to use choruses in our worship service, and she wanted those old hymns. And we were just uh, not uh, doing a spiritual thing. She said, we need the old songs. Well, she came into my office and it just so happened that I had a, a, a recording of, uh, of all things Gregorian chant. Now, when I was studying, I loved to have that background uh, of that Gregorian chant going on. That, to me, was put me into a very religious, I guess you would say, <laughs> kind of thing. But I, uh, I, as I was playing that, she said, what's that? And I said, oh, that's, uh, that's the old music. She said, what do you mean? And I said, well, this is a Gregorian chant. This is what people used to uh, sing. And by the way, they understood what the words were in Latin. And they could translate that and knew what that was, some of them. And they, that meant something to them. That's how they worshipped a long time ago. Well, by that time, she knew what I was doing to her. And we, she actually laughed and, and uh she got the point, but the fact is, uh, there's always going to be change in music. It's hard to to uh, uh, deal with that. Uh, by the way, we we uh, as a result, we we found a time that we could meet the folks that wanted to sing the old hymns, and we got three hymnals back. I mean, it wasn't even the one that was in our pew. It was way back that we'd stuck away because we uh, got new books and put up and, and we brought those out and we let everybody choose a song they wanted to sing and we spent an hour just singing old hymns and they just dearly loved it. We recognized that was a worship experience and atmosphere for them and we were able to do the other as well, bring in some of the new stuff. So music will change, always will, and we need to be ready to do that. Our facilities and, and the need will change. Uh, the very church that uh, I knew, it was not this one. So when they talked about the Placerville Church of the Nazarene, this is not the picture that often pops up in my mind. I remember that the old house that was on the property had real two-by-fours. Not not uh, not these trimmed down ones that we have today. The real ones. They measured two inches by four inches, and the nails that held it together were square nails. That building was built back in the eighteen uh, hundreds, and it was on our property downstairs in the basement. There was no basement. It was just down the cellar, more or less, and there was a well that had been dug there. And that well was an open well. 
they dug down till they hit water, and that was the source of water for that house at one time. And uh, that was uh, on our property there. And uh, in fact, that's where we had our Sunday school, some of our Sunday school classes and some of our activities. And that was uh, way back in that day. Um, that was before the new unit was built. And uh, we, uh, that, that's the picture I have of that, uh, that uh, building. Here we have a new facility, a beautiful one, and uh, we're grateful for it. But uh, again, the old church is that one. And I think of the blessings that we had there, uh, wonderful experiences, and the ones we have here. But it's always going to change. Uh, the way we dress will change. Wow, that has been a good one down through the years. I didn't say better. I just said it's going to change. Sometimes we wonder, uh, what direction are we going? But the fact is, if we invite people to come, they'll come the way they are. If we expect that they have to dress a certain way before they can come, we will have cut them off, many of them, from ever getting to know the Savior. And we just need to be aware of the fact that that is always going to be the case. Our communication devices will change. Again, uh, we ha didn't have uh, recording and all of that sort of thing, except that machine you punched and it uh, ran and had a little, uh, had some little wheels that ran it uh, wound up on a spool. That was a recording that I remember. But what we're really talking about here today is that there are some things that we dare not change. And those are the ones that are connected with God and what God says, what God wants, who God is. We need to plug in with who he is. A lot of things will change. Boy, Israel, they left a miserable situation only to go into a miserable situation. And that will often happen. We just need to remember that the circumstances will change, but our God will never change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It might well do us good to every year stop and say, let's celebrate our church. What is our church? What is it all about? Who are we? We're the people of God committed to serve him. May God help us do that. May God help us to remember that it's all about him, not about us. He will be the one to bless us. We just need to be obedient to God and serve him. So as we commemorate our 95th birthday of our church, let's remember our purpose is still the same. Our mission is still the same. The challenge to us is still the same. We still are here to support the church 
with our tithes and offerings and our love. A lot of things will change, but those basics should never change. May God help us to keep it that way. Would you join with me in prayer as we talk to the Lord? Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for reaching down and finding us. Sometimes we think we found you only to realize that you knew who we were and you had been waiting for us to come to you. Some of us for a long, long time. Lord, we are grateful for your love. We're grateful for your caring. And we're grateful for those who have shown us the way by their life, lived obediently to the Lord and his mission. May we not fail them, nor those that we may inspire and reach out and touch as we are faithful as well. Lord, bless us as we serve you. And may this celebration not end when this day closes, but may we be found faithful in our journey with you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.